You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. And today I have with me the head coach of Clemson University, Dabo Sweeney. Um, um, if you follow football, you've seen him or heard about him. Uh, he actually played for Alabama on their 1992 national championship team. Uh, he took over the reins of Clemson University on October 13, 2008. Now, since that time, uh, he's won an ACC championship. He won his uh, first BCS uh, champion or BCS bowl this past year. Almost a BCS championship there, Dabo. A little foreshadowing, maybe. Uh, <laughs> BCS bowl over Ohio State this year. And um, Dabo, it's really, really awesome to have you. I think the first question I want to ask you, and I'm sure. Uh, people are wondering: Is is Dabo really your your real first name? <laughs> well, uh, it is not on my birth certificate. My birth certificate name is William Christopher Sweeney, but but I have literally been called Dabo since birth, and uh, really didn't even know that that wasn't my legal name until about the third grade. And that is that is the truth. How did you wind up getting the name Dabo? Tell that story. Well, my um, I'm I'm the baby of three boys. And uh, my middle brother is 17 months older than me. So when I was born, he was obviously still just a baby. And um, he would, uh, even before I was born, he, he would pat my mom's belly. But, but uh, he just always said, he called me that boy, that boy. But, but coming from the mouth of a baby, it was Dabo, Dabo. And so uh, literally from the time I was born, they just started calling me Dabo. And, uh, you know, it stuck. And I tell people all the time, you grow up in a place like Alabama, uh, you get names like, like that. Uh, and, I mean, literally, like, the first time that I ever knew that, that my name was not legally Dabo was, and I, it, was, it was like, it was a horrifying experience because I was probably about in the third grade, and that was when the first time I had ever heard of a Scantron sheet. And, uh, you know, you had to bubble all the, you know, you, yeah. you had to start all that electronic stuff. And I'm like, what do you mean I can't put Dabo in here? And I had to bubble William Christopher Sweeney, which took like, you know, 30 minutes. Uh, just to, everybody else was already on to the test. I'm still bubbling in my name. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, it was pretty cool. And, and, I, and then I lived in one place my whole life, so I didn't move. So by the time I was, you know, uh, fifth grade, sixth grade, everybody just knew me as Dabo. Well, I uh, totally forgot your first name was William. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I like Dabo a lot better. I think Dabo <laughs> is one of those names that's definitely unique, sticks out. Um, well, hey, let me ask you a couple leadership questions, Dabo. Okay. We're talking about leadership, and you you are honestly one of the best leaders I know. And I'm just kind of curious, um, thinking back on that uh, time during 2008, I mean, I remember watching you go from the transition of being um, an assistant coach to being the head coach. And so as you think back on that time period, um, what would you say one of the major lessons you learned? Um, what's one of the major lessons you learned from being the guy that's the assistant to now you're, you're basically the guy in charge and the buck stops with you? What, what are, what are, what's one or two things that you learned during that time? Well, I mean, there's, you know, so many lessons uh, during that time, but I guess, I guess the first thing is, is that um, uh, two, two things from that, that experience for me personally is, that, and I tell people all the time, is to prepare for your opportunity, number one, because, you know, I, I, I 
you never know when you're going to get your opportunity. But I really uh, felt like I was prepared. Uh, but even there's no amount of preparation that you can do that really, really is going to have you ready for the actual job. I mean, when you actually do it, right? Uh, it just it can be overwhelming. There's so many things, but but I but I was prepared for the opportunity. Uh, number one, and then the second thing that I learned from that was, you know, you never know who's paying attention. You never know who's watching, mm. and so. You know, working for the Lord, do do things. You know, and what I mean by that is, I mean literally, I come to work, and the AD walks in and and says, "Hey, you're now the head coach. See my, see me in my office in five minutes." And the next thing, when I go in there, I'm thinking he's just going to say, "Hey, I'm going to try to get the next guy to keep you. Do the best you can." But when I sit in there, he starts telling me all the reasons why he thinks I can do this job, and and he basically said, "You know, I've observed you for five and a half years." And and so forth and so on. And so it was a huge lesson to me and reinforcement of just bloom where you're planted. Just do a great job where you are. Mm. So many times we get so anxious for what's next, you know, you know, that next job, whatever. Just do a great job. Bloom where you're planted. Do a great job with whatever if you're if you're the if you're the guy that's cleaning the building, then be the best guy. And you know, and and it was the reinforced to me then, and it was the same thing when I was a player in 1990. I get called over out of the blue one day. Uh, I hadn't I hadn't played, and I'm a sophomore, and I don't even think the coach knows my name. And it's a Tuesday practice, and it's just another week, and I'm just going through the, the rigors of life, so to speak. And next thing I know, the guy calls me over there, and he says, hey, I'm going to give you a chance today. You do a good job. You're playing this weekend. And, and I didn't even know the guy knew my name, but he had been paying attention. But two things, I was prepared for that moment. Number one, because even if even if that moment had never come, I was preparing anyway. And and number one, and number two, you never know who's paying attention. And then fast forward to 2008, 18 years later, I'm right back in the same situation. And so I, those those two major things that I took from that, from just just a personal standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint, when you go from one of them to the leader of them, that is a drastic, drastic change yep and i think the biggest thing is and probably a mistake that everybody makes initially is you try to do too much and i quickly learned that i could not be good at everything and and i had to learn how to delegate and so that's one of the keys to being successful in life is to surround yourself with good people it doesn't matter if you're the preacher at new spring if you're the head coach at clemson if you're, you know, the businessman that's trying to hire people to help him run his business, it doesn't matter. You have to surround yourself with good people, people that buy into the vision. And, that, and so then that's the next thing is what's the vision? What's the plan? How do you articulate that? Everybody in the building has to understand that there has to be a culture created. And so, you know, there's a process that you have to go through. And uh, it starts with the people that you surround yourself with. So. For me, big lesson uh, number one was uh, learning to delegate because uh, you know when you're just when you're not in that role, that's a whole new task for you. Uh, so learning to delegate, yep. uh, you know, being able to articulate the message and make sure that everybody was on the same page. Accountability, giving people uh, the freedom to do their job and holding them accountable, 
and then and, and just kind of setting that charge and getting getting used to making the decisions on a daily basis over and over. Man, that's that's really good. I, one of the things, Dabo, I think just from you know being a football fan, but just studying leadership and sitting back and noticing is you have. Um, you have you have a really great team of leaders around you from uh, Venables coaching the defense, from Morris coaching the offense, from um, Coach Pierman. Mm-hmm. From, from you, you just got a great, great team. How has that helped you? Um, how has that helped you from? I mean, that that's yeah. definitely helped you from not feeling overwhelmed. I'm sure. What 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 are some? How did you how did you recruit these guys to come in and work with you, and how do they help take that load off of you? Well, you know, and again, my situation was so different from most people because it's not like I just got the job like a normal person, and then you kind of put your staff together and and all of that. Uh, you know, I, I my situation was very unique because again, you literally go from one of to the leader of, and you you try you got to get everybody to to buy in. And not knowing what the, the outcome is going to be, and, and so when I got the job, you know, I made a decision that outside of two guys, I was going to keep everybody, even though that's probably not how I would have done things had I just gone and gotten a job. But I felt like that was the right thing to do, and would do it that way again. But it, but it was it made it more of a challenge to make the transition. But where I am now is I've been able to hire everybody on the staff. And I've been able to, uh, they've all come here to work for me. And that is such a huge difference. Uh, uh, when, when, they, when they've come here to work for you with the message that you have given, the vision that you've laid out, the plan that's in place, the philosophies that are in place, this is how we do things, you know, all those types of things. And so I've surrounded myself with great leaders and great men, good husbands. And good husbands, good leaders, good men attract good men good people and so because of who i've surrounded myself we've been able to go out and recruit the right kind of guys uh like i said good people attract good people and uh you know that's that's that is such a blessing to me because when i lay my head down at night i know the character that is on this staff and this is this is and not that there's perfect people, but but this is a, a a world where you know bad things happen, and you know people you, people do uh, stupid things all the time. Good people do stupid things all the time. But I tell you what, I lay my head down at night and I sleep well because I do not worry about Chad Morris or Brett Venables or Danny Pierman or Robbie Caldwell or Tony Elliott or Jeff Scott or, or any of those people doing something that's going to embarrass this program or going out and doing things without integrity, cheating, whatever. Uh, and when you have that type of comfort, uh, you know, you, it, it sure helps you sleep uh, a lot better at night because I look around and I see some of the things that go on, especially in my business, and, and I just shake my head. And, and it all starts, and I see a lot, I've seen a lot of good coaches, good head coaches that have fallen because they surrounded themselves with the wrong kind of people. And, and, I, and I've just been very conscious of that with every hire that I've made, even though some people, even when I hired Chad Morris, I caught a lot of criticism. People were, you know, really critical because I hired him. But, you know, I, I, I was convicted that not only was he a good football coach, 
but he was a great person. He's a good man. He's a good leader. He's going to care about the players. He's a good husband, good father. And those are the things to me that, that are important uh, in making a decision on who, who I'm going to let in my circle. Man, that's, and that's awesome. I was, I was just curious, you know, I'm sure every leader would answer this in a different way, but when it comes to staffing, when it comes to coaching, when it comes to having those people around you, what would you say is the, if you, if you could narrow it down to the one or two most overwhelming things about your job, what, what would you say is the one or two things that you're like, man, if I could put my finger on it, that's what overwhelms me the most? Uh, time demand would be probably the first thing. Uh, just, the, just the sheer amount of time that it takes to get the job done, bottom line, uh, because it just it never stops, ever. I mean, and I laugh sometimes. People say, "Oh well, season. What are you going to do now?" And uh, it, it, to be honest with you, the, the the season is the easiest time of year for me. Wow. Uh, the off season is is my worst time of year. Uh, it really is because it just it just never stops. Recruiting never stops. Uh, it, there's just always something. So so the time. So, and, and when I say the time demands, with that comes the balance with your family. There, there's never an off season. I mean, there's never an off season, and, and so we, we, we. I work hard with our staff. I mean, I'll take the calendar. I give them a calendar at the beginning of the year in in, Ju- in July, and it's a calendar all the way to the next July, and I even have in there the plan on when their weekends are off because I know how difficult it is, and if we don't plan that, there'll be no off days. That's good because there's always recruiting. There's always, and I do that for the wives because I want them to know, hey, their husbands going to be off on this Friday or this Monday or, or whatever these weekends so that they can plan things because the family aspect of it is so critical but you know from the game to all the uh, requirements of your time after the game whether it's press stuff TV stuff radio stuff uh, speaking engagements you know all these things that are way 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 above and outside of coaching football right and so that part of it is is the probably the biggest challenge, uh, just the just the sheer time, and then the second biggest challenge is the intensity of the scrutiny that you live under every day. You know, as far as you know, every word you say, everything you do, it, it's on TV, it's on the radio, it's it's constant. It just never stops, and so uh, and that comes with the territory. But but if you don't understand that it can really gobble you up, I think. But those are probably the two, you know, just biggest challenges uh, that I think uh, is the most difficult to to get adjusted to. So for us, um, you know, two ways I deal with that is, first of all, we I've learned to say no. You know, I had a real hard time with that. That's good. Initially, I had a real hard, my first probably year and a half to two years on this job, I, I about killed myself. So I've, I've learned to say no. Because I've said, okay, here's my priorities. Yep. You know, I have to have my faith in order. I have to be a good husband. I got to be a good father. I got three sons. I got a lot going on with their lives. And I'm gone a lot as it is. Now, when I do have time, if I'm gone all that time too, well, I'm never with them. Yep. And so I've learned to, I've learned to say no. And, and that's been, uh, you know, huge. And, and I've also learned to, as I said, plan and organize and say, okay, here's the calendar. This is what we're doing. These are the time. And we, we schedule time. Like, like, you know, just whether it's to take a vacation or whatever it may be, 
we schedule that, and then and then from a uh, you know media standpoint and all that kind of stuff, I've I've tried to uh, make myself accessible, but I certainly I kind of studied with some other people. I cut down on some of the responsibilities just to make it a little bit more manageable. Uh, I don't read anything, uh, you know, anything like that as far as like negative stuff and all that. I stay away from all that, good or bad, uh, because neither one is, is very helpful for what I'm trying to do. But uh, that's that's been, you know, just something that I think has, has helped uh, in a big way. You know, Dabo, when you took over as coach, um, I remember having conversations with you uh, about this, and um, I would just be kind of curious: is what would what would you say? Because here's the deal: on a Saturday, um, no matter what kickoff time is, for the next three and a half to four hours, um, everybody in the stands and everybody watching on TV has an opinion about what you should do or should not do, or why did he call that play, or why does he leave that player in? And so. What is something like? What are some ways that you've just kind of learned how to deal with the the critics, whether they be on the stands or whether they're on ESPN or sure? Because um, uh, it's gonna happen. So and 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 kind of leading your kind of leading your staff and your players through that because people um people don't see what you see or they don't know what yep. your staff knows. And so, what are some of the things that you've done to kind of deal with that? Yeah, well, for me, it's just it's just a part of you know I have thick skin. And, you know, if you stay in this business long enough, you eventually you got alligator skin. I mean, it's just the way it is. Uh, I had a guy tell me one time that when you become a coach, you get fitted for a – it's a dog-eat-dog world, and you get sized up for a big old pair of milk bone underwear uh, day one. <laughs> and I didn't really ever understand that. Uh, but, I, but I get it now. Uh, and that's just part of it. And so, again, you have to be convicted on what you believe. And it's just like I talk to my players about all the time. First of all, for me, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're under intense scrutiny. And, and it, it's not a burden, but I feel a huge responsibility and a huge weight sometimes, you know, for all the people that are watching. And because you feel like you just let everybody down. And that can be such a, a depressing time. And, and so, uh, for me, the, the number one thing that, that that helps me deal with all that, number one, is my faith. You know, I've always lived by the fact that just, you know, if you keep your eyes on the Lord in, in all that you do, whether you're being a coach or being a father or a husband or an employer or whatever, uh, you know, God's going to give you the peace that you need in whatever situation. And then the second thing is you have to believe in yourself. You have to have an attitude of belief because ultimately uh, your beliefs determine, you know, your thoughts and words and actions and so forth. So you have to have, you have to believe. And I have, some people have sometimes said, oh, he's an, he's an overachiever, but, but I really believe I'm an overbeliever. Mm. Uh, I've always believed in myself and believed in those around me and believed in the plan. And, and, uh, and then the third thing is you, have, you can't quit. You have to expect that there's going to be adversity. And so to, for me to go into a season and think, oh, there's not going to be any adversity, there's not going to be any criticism, everybody's going to love you, I, I learned early on that it doesn't matter what I do or what I say, the sky is blue, whatever. There's going to always be a third of the people who, who are going to like me and, and, and believe. There's always going to be a third who, no matter what, are going to hate me. And there's going to be that other third 
it's going to kind of can go either way, just depending on how the wind's blowing. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. That's just the nature of the position. And I learned that a long time ago, and, and I've observed so many good men, good coaches along the way and how they've handled adversity. And it's a very tough thing. It's very tough when, when people are very critical, and sometimes they're critical and they really don't understand what they're even talking about. Uh, but yep. that's the nature of my job is that everybody, you know, it's, it's a, my job is a passion for so many people. And because it's a lot of people's passion, you know, they, it's, 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 it's a double-edged sword because you love that people are so passionate about what you do and it provides great opportunity and all that. But the other side of it is, uh, everybody has a platform now yep. because of the internet and the radio and all that. So back in the day when coach Bryant was talking, well, you had the same thing going on was coaching. You had the same thing going on, but, but they were down in the, in the barbershop or over in the grocery store. And that was about it. Whereas now, you know, it's, it can go from worldwide. Everybody can have an opinion and people create their own agendas and their own perceptions. And so that can be uh, difficult. So for me, I just stick to my fundamentals. I just keep my eyes on the Lord. I, 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 I pray. I try to stay in my devotion time. Um, I, I believe in myself. I, I know that adversity is coming. And you have to respond the right way. And, and one of the things that I try to teach our players is, listen, guys, I mean, next play. You know, it's going to, it's the next play. Right. It's the next game. And it's not how – it's if you, university is going to – it's either going to destroy you uh, define you or develop you, and and I want it to develop me. You know, I want it. To, we should all grow from that from that adversity when it comes, and the same thing when the success comes. It's just it's probably even harder to handle the success than it is the adversity. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. uh, and then so from so that's part of it, and the other part is you better have a good wife. That's good. And, and for me, I've got I got a five star wife. Uh, she's number one draft pick, and. I can't tell you because cause I'm human, just like anybody else, just like you're human. It doesn't matter, you know, how well prepared you are and you know that you're going to have to deal with criticism. You're still human. Things still hurt. And you still sometimes, you know, you, you'll, you'll feel sorry for yourself or whatever. And, boy, to have that partner there, you know, to pick you up and to encourage you and to put some well, some wind back in your cells is huge. So. You know, Kath has allowed me to keep good perspective. And, uh, you know, that I believe that God gave her to me for that reason. She gives me good perspective. And uh, so I've learned to not take myself too serious. And, and just like I tell my players, we tell her, I tell them all the time, hey, just do your best. Yep. And if I can look in the mirror and I know that I prepared as hard as I can and, and I did the very best that I could, uh, then you know what? Listen, I live by a saying, God never says oops. You know, God never says, oh, my bad, you know, oops. And so I've always just kind of hung on to that. And I've had some days where, you know, listen, you know, overtime down there at Auburn in 2010, you know, we lead the whole game in Tallahassee, and two seconds left, they kick a 55-yarder to win it. I'm going across the field after we've whipped them all up and down the field, and I'm saying, God never says oops. God never says oops. And you lose to South Carolina five times in a row. I can't understand it. We dominate them on the field this year, win every which way. We win every way possible <laughs> except on the scoreboard, you know. And and so, even with all the success that we've had, there's still those challenges. And so from and the criticism and all that kind of stuff. And so for me, you know, God never says oops. 
Uh, I keep my eyes on him. I believe in myself. I don't quit. I expect the adversity. I lean on my family. And, uh, you know, as long as I know that I did my very best, uh, I can live with whatever results we get. But but it, for me, ultimately, it comes down to building men. And I know that everything that I've been through in my life, everything that I've been through in my life has prepared me to do what I do today. Mm -hmm. Just like all the things that you've dealt with in your life have prepared you to lead one of the most successful churches ever. But God had to prepare you for that. It's the same thing. Sometimes we have to deal with things, players deal with things, and I try to teach them that way. And and it's like the Bible says, we've got to rejoice in our sufferings too. None of us like that. Uh, but but it's the truth because when I look back in all my sufferings and all the things that I thought were the worst thing that ever, you know, now I sit and I'm thankful for that because I know that that's what I had to go through to get to where I am right now. And uh, so I just try to keep good perspective as I go through the process, not not take myself too serious uh, and try to teach my players to to learn and grow from every situation to win and lose with class and to, uh, uh, you know, expect adversity, grow from the adversity, uh, stay humble uh, when they have the success. Uh, Dabo, final question. I'm just real curious. I mean, since 2008, um, I've watched or listened to uh, every game that, that you've coached. I mean, I've, I've kind of been there. I've kind of um, had like a, a, a ringside seat to some of the games that you've kind of coached. So, just thinking about your career as a head coach, what would you say would be the most overwhelming, either good or bad, but the most overwhelming game that you've ever coached? Like when you think of your coaching career, you're like, I'll never forget that game right there. Mm, man, I've had several of those my whole coaching career, but but especially since I've been here at Clemson. I mean, I've had several of them. Um, you know, uh, I can remember – uh, one of them as an assistant when we beat Florida State in 2003 because we were probably getting ready to be fired, uh, to be honest with you. I don't think there was any. I think we were definitely going to be fired. Um, and uh, we were 5-4, and four and and we that that particular moment uh, was a little overwhelming. I had just moved to Clemson, and we, my wife and I were building a house, and, and I was a little overwhelmed. Uh, but, you know, I just – I don't know. I just I just – told what my wife I said you know what I'd do it all over again and uh, this is this is God brought us here and yep and uh, you know we end up winning that game and it was amazing but but just since just just I mean, just a few of them probably the first one would be uh, uh, going into that first game playing Georgia Tech you know I was uh, I, I mean I, I really didn't sleep that week uh, it was such a blur to me and I can remember, I can remember just driving into work. It was dark that Thursday morning. I've been the head coach for a couple of days now, and we're gonna. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're really gonna play a game on Saturday, and there was so much chaos going on. And and I, I and I, I, a lot of times I usually pray when I drive to work. That's usually just time for me. I just talk to God, and uh, I can remember praying that morning because I was so tired, and I just all of a sudden had this huge feeling of being overwhelmed. I was so overwhelmed. I was starting to doubt myself. Am I going to be able to do this? Can I pull this thing together? You know, on and on and on. What if, you know, what if I, you know, whatever, all these things happened and uh, started worrying about stuff that I had no control over and, and so forth. And 
uh, I, I just had this huge feeling of overwhelm, over, just being overwhelmed. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. And that's just one of the reasons I tell people when you're, when you're seeking God, when you're keeping your eyes on him, he, he will show you. Sometimes it's, a, it's, a, it's that little voice inside. Maybe sometimes it's a person that speaks to you. Maybe sometimes it's a sign that you see, whatever. But I remember turning into the parking lot, and I had just moved into the head coach's office that Wednesday night. They, you know, I, they, I, they were like, you know, you're going to have to move over here because I didn't have any privacy and all that. But I, and I remember pulling in that morning, and I had never gone and parked in the head coach's parking spot. I'd never done that. Obviously, I'd never been to head coach. So I said, oh, I'm going to ride up here, and I'm going to park in that corner office. So I remember pulling in. I had prayed, and I was just – like, oh, man, I had so many things to do that day. And when my, it was dark and I turned in and my lights hit the curb of the, where the, the parking spot there and this reflection just hit me. I mean, it was amazing. And it was, it was the number 88 parking spot, which I'd never, I didn't know that. I had no idea. And it just, I just stopped the car right there. And it was almost like God was saying, hey, look, I got you back. And it was because, you know, that was my college number was 88. And, and for me, it was just, it was just a piece that, Hey, look, I got you right where I want you. Don't doubt. I got your back. Just keep picking them up and putting them down and everything's going to be okay. So that week was overwhelming. And, and I can remember riding around on the bus. I had never run down the hill. I, I, can, I was scared to death that, that, I mean, what if I fall coming down the hill and I'm a blooper on ESPN for the rest of my life? And people want to know why I run so, ran so fast down the hill. I don't remember it. <laughs> I, I was just trying to get down that hill as fast as I could, to be honest with you. You know, I guess I, even to this day, I try to get down that hill as fast as I can, but that was an overwhelming moment. And then probably the other moment, same thing, the last week, I, so now we've gone through the season, We've had a nice little run. We've won about three in a row, and it's the last week. It's the South Carolina game, and this is it. This is it. You know, this is what I've worked for my whole life. I've had an opportunity to be a head coach. I've gotten a taste of being a head coach. I, I, I know I can do it. I, I've loved it. I love these guys. You know, I've tried to do all I could in six weeks to, to impact their lives, not knowing if I would get another chance. And here it comes down to if we win this game, there's probably a very good chance I'm going to get this job. If we don't, I'm probably moving on. And that's just the reality of the situation. And and so I can remember the same thing. You know, there was a little bit of feeling of overwhelmment, and we had Thanksgiving that morning, had Thanksgiving uh, devotion. We were practicing on Thanksgiving Day. And I was going through my devotion, and my devotion that day was Revelation 3.8. It says, for I know what you have done, and I have opened a door that no one can shut. And so right then and there, I wasn't overwhelmed anymore. I had a total peace. In fact, I called my wife and I said, hey, look, don't worry about this weekend. Everything's going to be just fine. And I told her about my devotion. And, uh, and sure enough, we go on, we win that game, beat South Carolina. I get the job. You know, I thought it was pretty easy. I didn't know what was so hard about it. I never had little did I know I was going to lose the next five years in a row. But the point of it was that was an overwhelming moment for me, but my faith and God, me seeking God, brought gave me the peace. And uh, so that was that was one of those moments. Then the other one was when we beat Virginia to clinch our first division title in '09. That was my 40th birthday. 
Uh, I can remember the crowd singing happy birthday. I turned 40. We won the first division title. We're going to the championship game. That was amazing. And then the ACC championship game uh, up in up in beating Virginia Tech. And, and then, uh, you know, the LSU game. The LSU game uh, in the bowl game. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was fourth and 16. You're about as overwhelmed as you can be, you know. But there's there, there's always a chance. And, you know, uh, everybody knows that, that knows me knows that my, my favorite Bible verse is in Corinthians. You know, it talks about running the race to win. And, and in Second Corinthians 4.16, it says that though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. And so that 4th and 16 play, to me, that's what that represented to me was, hey, it wasn't looking good, but our spirit was growing stronger every play. And and it's, if you don't quit, you can overcome great things. You know, we have so many people facing fourth and sixteen in their lives, but if you don't quit, you can overcome great things. And and what can happen when a group of people come together? It's just like New Spring. You know, it's not just you. It, look at what happens when a group of people come together for a common purpose, a common goal that's bigger than themselves. And what can happen? And 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 so that's what I gained from that. And then this past year. Obviously, we went down two years ago and got our tails handed to us against West Virginia. That was a pretty disappointing low moment for me. And so to get back down there two years later and to beat a better team and to win our first BCS game, uh, you know, that was a, a pretty special moment as well. Well, I uh, I thought it was. I, I was watching that game, and, and uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm very biased, Dabo. I'm a Clemson fan through and through, so – I uh it's 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 amazing how much uh coaching and leadership go hand in hand. I mean that's basically what it is and I can't thank you enough for your your time. I know you're in the middle of spring practice and I'm looking forward to 2000 and um the 2014 season. I mean I think it's going to be this is going to be our national championship season, man. I'm just kind of feeling it. So I'm pulling for you. We're praying for you. Thank you so much for for your time today on the podcast. I appreciate it. Good to be with you, man. Anytime. Thanks, Dabo.